0: Hey, guys, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Yes, it is free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and many more. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. So, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Happy Friday, everybody. This is Harriet Westmore with the More Wine and Music Podcast, the podcast where I discuss early artists for early genre over a glass of wine. Tonight, I'm going to discuss a female early innovators still stay tuned. welcome hope everybody has a good friday and a good weekend um before we get started i'm going to do a little bit of housekeeping um log on to uh buymeacoffee.com backslash more wine and music um to contribute to the podcast so i can bring um continuously bring content to the show also um you can also uh subscribe to the More Wine and Music podcast at www.morewineandmusicpodcast.com and um, become a subscriber. Um, Keep up to date with all the uh, good information about the history of American music. All right. So here we go. Um, Before um, I get started, Let's see. I just want to make sure all my settings are, are in place. All right. Everything is cool. All right. So this week I wanted to do a female um, innovator of the early jazz genre. And her name was Lil Lillian Harton Armstrong. And if you recognize the last name Armstrong, yes, she was a ex-wife of the great Louis Sachmo Armstrong. You know, while most early innovators of the jazz drama were men, you know, I cannot leave out women whose musical talents helped shape, you know, jazz, the early jazz drama too. So henceforth, Miss Lillian. Lillian Beatrice Hardin was born on February 3rd, in 1898, in Memphis, Tennessee, um, her parents were Dempsey Martin Harding and father William Harding. That was her her mom's name was Dempsey, which was I thought it was kind of an unusual name for a female. Father's name was William. Her mother was one of thirteen children, and her mother actually was born enslaved so she was a slave when she was born so um, after slavery it was after she became married to William she gave birth to two children Um, one of the children died in childbirth um, and the other one of course is Lillian while Lillian was a young girl her parents um, just separated and for whatever reason i don't know exactly the uh year of when they separate but it was said that lillian was you know a pretty young girl, so she had to be probably maybe between five and eight years old when um, her parents decided to separate so miss dempsey um and her little daughter gillian um they move into a boarding house where um, her mom worked as a cook for, you know, cooking for white families. So that that was her way of supporting herself and her daughter. Lillian decided she wanted to um, get into music. So she um, became interested in playing the piano and her mom encouraged her to pursue music, so she saved up her money and sent, actually sent Lillian to school to actually learn how to read uh, music, which is one of the rare things back then. Because a lot of artists, is, um, as we know, that they just hear and and you know they would play by ear. They actually didn't know how to read music, but Lillian was one of the few who actually. Um, went to school and studied music, and she was able to read um, music. So, um, of course, as most artists, especially particularly black artists, they started playing in the church. That's how they get start. That's how they got started. Um, and living in um, Memphis, matter of fact, they didn't live not too far from Bill Street. So obviously. She was um, attracted to the music of, that was going on on Bill Street, which was mainly blues. And so, you know, listening to um, the blues on and, and all the artists that was coming through on Bill Street, you know, that just grabbed little Lillian's attention. Her mom, on the other hand, wasn't happy about that. She thought her daughter you know could do better by um playing more of a um i don't want to say more of an upscale type of music she didn't want her daughter to be hanging around um what she considered lower class of people who played the blues and so she kind of dissuaded her daughter to um stop hanging around in that type of environment so um she sent her daughter to Fisk University in Nashville and that was where Lillian studied um, classical music um, and that was from 1915 to 1916 so I mean again you know her mom wanted uh, her daughter to learn more of a classical uh, type of music she didn't like Lillian um, hanging around the, what she called the low lives of uh, artists that were hanging around on Bill Street. So after she completed her studies between 1915 and 1916, Lillian came back to Memphis. And that was when her mom decided to um, relocate, leave Tennessee and relocate to Chicago. So she and Lillian packed up their little stuff and moved to Chicago. Shortly after moving to Chicago, Lillian took a job as a music demonstrator at the Jones Music Store. Because she was able to read music, she was able to access um, sheet music. So while you know working in the store and demonstrating um, music or music instruments in the store, she was able to have um, free reign of accessing different pieces of music that she was able to read. And it was there that she actually met Jolly Roll Morton. And since meeting Jolly Roll, Lillian was able to get jobs and play with different bands within the Chicago area. She was doing that while maintaining her job um, at the Jones Music Store. So I mean, she was a little entre. I mean, you know, she was a little go getter. She kept her job and was um, playing around in different bands. And it was at that point because she became starting to get popular, she was nicknamed um, Hot Miss Lil. So from here on out, this is where she got the uh, name of Lil. So this is where I'm going to be referring to her from here on out, Lil. All right. So you know, again. Her mom, Miss Dempsey, didn't like the fact that um, her daughter was playing, you know, in these um, bands and stuff that was playing these certain types of music, but, you know, she didn't dissuade her either. So she eventually came around and um, supported her for doing that. So... um, Lil was recognized for her piano and for her work in playing the piano. And she started um, playing with um, Lawrence Duhay and the New Orleans Jazz Band that was playing in the Chicago area at that time. Um, In 1918, give or take, between 1918 and 1920, she even played with the great King Oliver Creole um, Band as you recall, a couple of episodes back, i talked about King Oliver. So Lillian actually played in the band. So she played, she was the pianist in the band with King Oliver at that time. And um, she, um, while she was playing in the band, she met her soon to be future husband. His name was Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson was a singer. He didn't actually... Um, wasn't a part of the uh, King Oliver's Creole Band, but um, he was a uh, jazz singer around Chicago. So she met him and and they eventually married. And, you know, both being musicians, it kind of took a toll on both of their, uh, their marriage because Lillian was traveling with um, King Oliver's Creole Band. So she was not home half the time. And then, you know, Jimmy was... Um, singing in another band. So, you know, to try to save her marriage, Lillian quit um, playing with um, King Oliver and came back to Chicago. But, you know, shortly thereafter, you know, in 1922, uh, she was actually missed in the King Oliver's band. So um, they asked her to rejoin and, and she did but, you know, at the cost of her marriage. And it was at this point in 1922 that she met the young cornet player, Louis Armstrong. So while they both played in King Oliver's Creole band, she and Louis, you know, they were bandmates and they were also friends and they both were married at the time. So, you know, they weren't, really attracted to each other because they were married and it was said that actually Lillian didn't think too much of him other than just a friend and a bandmate but over time they did become uh, closer and um, they each decided to divorce their prospective spouse and so I think Lillian and Jimmy they divorced first and then afterwards um, Louis and his first wife who was named Daisy, um, he divorced her and then Louis and Lillian, they became married. So um, it was Lillian after the marriage, you know, Lillian was kind of the one who kind of um, recreated um, Louis Armstrong. I mean, as far as uh, his presentation in the audience, she was the one who helped him uh, create a better war robe and um, had him, you know, cut his hair to, make, to be a little more attractive looking. So she really was the one who um, kind of um, reinvented him and made him more presentable and more um, marketable for the audience and she was also the one who advocated for him to leave uh king oliver's um, creole band and go off on his own because actually at that time he was the kind of like the second chair to king oliver king oliver before he became um as you recall uh he became uh sick um with his um I uh, had pyorrhea, pot pyorrhea, which is disease in the gums, and um, but but prior to that, you know, King Oliver was the main. I mean, that was his band, so he was the leader. But um, you know, Lillian's, um kind of persuaded uh, her husband Louis to, you know, one of those ones that will be in your ear. You know, you can do better on your own. So he eventually left uh, the Creole. Uh, jazz band and went off on his own actually he um hooked up with the guy named um ferguson i believe and so he played with him and uh actually louie this was all in new york so they decided to come back to chicago and when they came back to Chicago, that's when they kind of, come, uh, Louis became to get more popular with Lillian being the, um, the helm and the one that actually pushed him and actually helped him become the person that he was. So actually the name was, it wasn't, um, his name was Fletcher. I'm sorry, Fletcher Henderson. That's who Louis Armstrong left King Oliver's band and play with a guy named um, Fletcher Henderson Um, but while Louie was playing with Fletcher Henderson in New York Lillian couldn't really find much um, gigs to play for herself in New York so that's when she decided to come back to Chicago and um, she put together a band herself and then to where Louie was a featured uh artist. And so after you know playing around in New York for a while with um Fletcher Henderson and among others Louis Armstrong came back to Chicago with his wife and um together they recorded um actual hits like the Hot 5 Orchestra and Hot Stevens. And this was around in 1925. Um, At the particular time in the early days of jazz, being a pianist was like they were the pianist was like the foundation. So they kept the uh, foundation of the music, which allowed um, other instruments in the band to be more creative and do some improvisation, improvisation. So. That's what Lillian did, and Lillian was one of the ones that honed that craft. She was able to play and keep that beat going, while um, the other instruments, horns, and everything, can come in and um, you know show off their creativity. On a personal note, um, is anybody who knows about Louis Armstrong? He was very. Good in um, one of the best horn players in the jazz industry, but he was also a womanizer, and so he was never a uh, faithful in his marriage, and this, you know, created a rift between he and Lillian, and you know, of course, Lillian was very jealous of his infidelity, um, even though you know, he was unfaithful to her, they continued to record and make um, and co-write and write music together and record. Um, She was even his um, manager. And as, as she being his manager, that's, you know, his popularity pretty much grew from there. And while Louis was on the road, um, Lillian decided to return to school and obtain a diploma from the Chicago School College of Music in 1928. Afterwards, Lillian bought a nice large home in um, Chicago and also a cottage. She was able to buy a college, cottage. And she was hoping, you know, buying these properties, she hoped that this would, uh, you know, bring Louis home off the road and, and stop, you know, being a a cheater um it didn't you know he continued to cheat and you know be on the road and have all these other women while he was on the road um but in the meantime Lil she formed several other bands throughout the years you some of them were all female bands and some of them were all male but I mean it was some it was Lillian who um You know, started and created these bands, and um, she just she was a very ambitious. She was a very ambitious woman. She went back to school again in New York this time, and she got her postgraduate degree in um, music. And she, because she wanted to um, change gears, instead of you know writing and playing music, she wanted to become an actual songwriter, and she wanted to become a singer. So she got her post graduate degree in the new york uh college of music and um you know she became a more of a uh songwriter by 1938 um the marriage was pretty much over so you know they did they decided to divorce but one thing about lillian she was able to have, get a financial, a very generous financial settlement from Louis, you know, to the point she was able to keep all her properties, and she was able to um, keep the rights of of the songs that she co-produced and co-wrote with him. So I mean, she was a smart, educated businesswoman. Um, so she got what she thought, you know, felt that she was due. She was able to keep her properties and live the standard of living that she um, was accustomed to as a um, and as a artist and um, she actually was smart enough to make sure that she owns her the rights to her music, which a lot of um, artists did not do. So she was a very, you know, she was kind of ahead of her her time, it seemed very much ahead of her time. After a while, she kind of wanted to try another uh, venture, so to speak. So she decided to um, become a fashion designer. You know, she was the one who recreated and um, styled her ex-husband, Louis. So, I mean, she figured, you know, that she can use that as to her advantage. And actually, Louis was, was continued to be one of her customers, even though they were you know, divorced, he still respected her enough and recognized her talent and her gift of, of styling. So he was her, remained her um, one of her customers. Um, on July 6th of 1971, Louis Armstrong had passed away, and so it was like six weeks later she was playing at a concert, you know, and played in tribute, make you know tribute concert in memory, memory of him, and she suffered from a massive heart attack and she died. So they died six weeks apart. So um, even though Louis had most of the success between them. It was actually Lillian who was behind his success. She was the one who actually pushed him and elevated him to where he, you know, to where he became. But, uh, you know, she wasn't as well known, but she did contribute to a lot. And she was one of the first, as one of the first female jazz artists in the early jazz genre. And, um, you know, she was one of a, a talented, educated woman in her day. So that was Lillian Harden Armstrong. All right, I hope you enjoy that little piece. Next week, I'm gonna be talking about another artist, which I've never heard of. Um, his name was Jack Garden. So this will be interesting. This is episode seven for next week. So stay tuned for next week. And thank you for listening tonight. And again, um, if you want to help donate um, to keep the podcast going, just click on buymeacoffee.com backslash more wine and music and make a donation. And this will help keep the podcast and the, the content going. All right. So guys enjoy your Friday night and enjoy the rest of your weekend. Have a good night. Bye.